Welcome to The Healing Ground Movement, a podcast dedicated to revolutionizing how we think about our bodies and our health. I'm your host, Dr. Carly Hudson, DC, and I have lived my life in pursuit of holistic healing and care that goes beyond symptom management. If you've been listening and like what you're hearing, head over to your favorite platform and leave us a review so we can reach more people with our important message. Enjoy today's episode. Hey everyone, today's episode is brought to you by ButcherBox. ButcherBox partners with people who are dedicated to doing the right thing, never cutting corners and always looking for ways to improve. Discover why they're the trusted source of high quality protein for families across the country. At ButcherBox, they believe in better. For them, that means caring about their animals and the planet, treating our planet with respect. It means improving the lives of animals and the livelihoods of farmers. And ultimately, it means better meals enjoyed together. The protein from ButcherBox is never given antibiotics or added hormones. It's humanely raised. Our family loves the convenience and quality and knowing that we are getting humanely raised and sustainably harvest protein. You can customize your box with the right amount of food and variety of meat to fit your family's individual needs. If you're interested in getting a special offer, go ahead and head to healinggroundmovement.com resources to follow the link for ButcherBox. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Healing Ground Movement podcast. I am your host, Dr. Carly Hudson, and we have two guests joining us today, Justin Fairman and Jackie Nectel. They are pioneers in the art and science of living in flow consciousness. They run training programs worldwide, teaching people from all walks of life how to bring their lives and businesses fully into flow and create deep fulfillment, prosperity, and success from a place of effortlessness and ease. After years spent doing deep research into the nature of reality and the mechanics of the mind with a focus on expanding human potential, they formed the Flow Consciousness Institute in 2016 to bring their work to the world. Their courses have been covered in Fast Company and Forbes and have students from over 40 countries. You can learn more at flowconsciousnessinstitute.com. We'll have that in the show notes. And I am so excited to talk to both of you today, kind of as we were chatting a little bit before the recording, bringing something that we consider to be kind of a out there concept of flow and really grounding it right at our center where it belongs. So thank you so much for joining us. Our pleasure. Thanks for having us. So tell us a little bit about how you got started diving into the science of flow and intuition and consciousness. Yeah, well, both of us had been having experiences where we were experimenting with different ways of living. Um, You know, these were things that were coming to us just as part of our own journey. You know, we were having different, you could say, intuitions or, you know, uh, pulls to different passions and stuff like that. And um, as we started to follow those and abandon, you know, society's normal rules of how you operate, we noticed that there were things happening in our lives that were, you know, for lack of a better term, like quite extraordinary or, or, or even, you know, magical, seemed somewhat impossible by, you know, how most people operate. And so that got us interested in, you know, what was going on behind the scenes, like what are the mechanics of it that's actually happening here? Because we live in, you know, on a planet, on a universe that runs by laws, you know, there's laws of physics, there's laws of all kinds of things. And so there must be laws of the mind or reality and so on and so forth or consciousness that are governing these experiences. And so that got us fascinated um, in studying that. And we were both independently doing that. And we have, you know, our independent journeys and stories, but eventually we met and compared notes and found that we had arrived at the same conclusions, even though we didn't know each other at all. And so that was kind of when a light bulb went off and we're like, hey, maybe there's something here that we should we should sit down and do something with. 
Oh, that's fantastic. And I do find, um, and I think our listeners are going to hear a little bit of familiarity in this conversation to some of the conversations we've been having on previous podcasts, that there does seem to be the singular truths that come through these concepts if you're willing to, and I, I like you were talking at the beginning about the rules of operation in the world, um, choosing or, or looking to this way of science is a little bit of a social rebellion in a way. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Which totally. definitely has been our path, you know, <laughs> both nonconformists and, and very much walking that rebel path in a way. And, you know, we find that all roads lead to the same place. So whether it's a, a mystical tradition or quantum physics, they all they all land at the same truths. So tell them, tell us a little bit about the truths that you two found independently and then compared your notes on to start creating this Low Consciousness Institute. Yeah, well, I mean, for, there's quite a few, but first and foremost, you know, we both found that there was a, an intimate relationship between what's going on in our minds and what's happening out in our lives. And that by playing with the different pieces of our minds and how we make decisions and what we believe and, you know, even down to how we're feeling and, you know, what level of trauma or, or um, you know, homeostasis we're holding in our, in our bodies and our nervous systems has a really profound impact on um, our, our lives and what happens in our lives and where we are in space and time and therefore what our reality is. And so both of us have done a lot of deep um, inner work and continue to this day. That's a that's something that we're really passionate about and you know innovating in that space. And um, and so that was a, that was a big one. What what else for you? Yeah, well, intuition, which is something that we're going to talk about a lot today. I think really um, looking at it from a, a different lens than most people think. Like you said, this kind of woo woo out there thing, but it's it's really this this gift that we all have this innate inborn capacity to read data from the field that allows us to take quantum leaps in our lives. And we can get into the mechanics of how that all works, but, but that's a, a, a big piece of, of the flow consciousness puzzle. Awesome. Um, yeah. And I like, I, I mean, I would love to just talk about all these things for hours. Um, let's do a kind of a, a, a quick dive in on Justin, what you were talking about my how the mind influences our outer world because I think and you know I'm preaching to the choir here how that dovetails into our intuition because as that starts internally we can really start to follow that and find that that um that creation that works together. So let's talk a little bit about the mind how inner reflects outer. Yeah well you know the like the starting point that we usually work with to describe everything is that you know regardless of what's happening, we're all always having a unique experience of it because of the nature of how our beliefs and perceptions and past conditioning work. Um, there's a saying that like, we don't see reality as it is, we see it as we are, because everything gets passed through the lens of our beliefs and everybody has a unique mosaic of beliefs and a unique you know, uh, set of Pavlovian conditioning with different things. And so basically, this two different people be, can be having like literally the same experience. They can be standing right next to each other and having the same experience and having yet completely different internal experiences because there's um, different associations with it. You know, if you had your first kiss um, and the, the, like if, if, if you were a guy and the, and the woman was wearing a red dress, like you would have a really positive association with the color red. But, you know, if you got hit by a red car when you were five years old, like you may have this really negative association. So if a red car drives by for one person, they're going to be in a state of like remembering something positive and pleasant. And the other person is likely going to be like in maybe some kind of trauma response. 
And that's just like a really basic example, but this is occurring for everybody all the time on every levels, on every level. And, and how your emotional state and your associations all influence your thoughts and your decisions. And then those influence your actions. And basically like the string of actions and decisions we take and make influence where we are in space and time. Literally, like they position us in different places on the earth and in our lives. And we say different things and we do different things. And all of these things create the conditions which, you know, manifest in our reality. And so by making internal shifts, you actually change big pieces of how you're operating in the world and that shoots you on completely different trajectories and so by artfully programming your belief structures and by getting your emotional state into a place of you know joy and happiness and, and harmony you can have a profound impact on where you end up in reality what conditions you're experiencing and you know what's possible for you ultimately yeah, and since we're living in this subjective reality, most people don't realize, you know, they think they have free will and they're making choices and decisions, but we have, you know, 95% of our, our beliefs and perceptions are buried deep in the unconscious. And so our past experiences, things passed down epigenetically, the conditioning that we took on as a child, all of that is subconsciously driving the ship. And so if we're not aware of it, that's, that's creating our experience. And so we, we have the illusion of, of choice, but there's so much underneath the surface operating, unless we're really excavating that and going to look for it, it's unconsciously, you know, informing and influencing our decisions. And then it gets to the point where I keep hearing words of, we just need to come at things from that place of happiness and prosperity. And I have begun to decide that just is the most difficult word we can put in front of uh, yeah. like, Just be happy. Just change all of the conditioning that came into your life before you <laughs> have control of it and the epigenetics of your grandparents going back generations. Just yes, cool. No big yeah. deal, right? Fun Saturday. Yeah. yeah. Why is not everybody so happy living in prosperity? Yeah. So what does just doing that like really entail, you talked about doing um, deep inner work, but that's part of, you know, the path that brought you to these discoveries and brought you to continuing this work. It is certainly the path that has me um, doing this podcast and teaching what we're teaching here today. We have to do a lot of excavating. Can you talk a little bit about what that looks like, what that just entails? Sure. Yeah. Well, we've um, been committed to, um, accelerating the process for people. So we've spent the last decade mapping the unconscious and uncovering hundreds, if not thousands of core beliefs in different areas of life, people's perceptions of themselves, of others, of the world around them. And so really speeding things up so that they don't have to take decades of, of excavation like we've done, and then giving them different tools to reprogram them at the mental, emotional, energetic, and physical level. Because we find that a lot of the, the coaching these days or, or therapy leaves off at the level of the mind, and they're only addressing it at this level of awareness, which is great. And it's one piece of the puzzle. But if you're not looking at where the beliefs and these imprints are stored in the body, in the energy field, then you're, you're leaving a lot behind. And so people will get frustrated, like, oh, I'm doing all the things, but the same patterns keep repeating, but it's because they're not really addressing it at all of these different levels. Yeah. Think about the 90% that you were saying, the 90, 95% that is unconscious. 
we can't suddenly carry all of that in our conscious mind. I mean, that'd be just exhausting to think about. Yeah, yeah, totally. And basically, like mo most of the modalities we've seen, there's exceptions and there's ones that go deeper. But basically, like a lot of the coaching, like Jackie was saying, a lot of the modalities, they like reveal the belief, right? They'll get it. They'll get you down to the level of the belief. Like, ah, you have this belief. You have this fear. And they're like, okay, now just stop. <laughs> you know, like, okay, you've got this belief. Now just believe something different. And if it were that simple, then it would just be as easy as finding the beliefs and everyone would be healed and the world would be in abundance and prosperity and there'd be no more wars or, or pretty shortly here with as many coaches as are out there. And um, but that's just the first step. You have to keep going because every belief, especially any limiting belief, almost unequivocally will create a negative emotional pattern around it. And it's usually based on fear or some derivative of fear. And, um, and then a lot of times those are anchored into the nervous system through trauma. And then it's a lot of times those happened in childhood. And then literally like our physiology gets enmeshed in that because there's this stressor in our system and then our cells are replicating and our muscles are contorting and you're a doctor. So you know this, right? And so literally like we have this like subcon, we have this consistent uh, like stress hormone cascade going on in the body and it just completely distorts us. So by the time somebody realizes they have a belief or an emotional pattern, it's not just releasing that. Like they also might need body work. They also might need, you know, to, to work on these different four different levels that we, we talked about to really unwind this pattern. So the awareness is key, of course, but beyond that, you actually have to go through different processes you know some of them mental emotional some of them energetic and physical and in doing so you actually like completely unwind the pattern and you correct all of the things that were off and, and at that point people tend to have full release of the pattern and they're they're different and then it's a lot easier you don't have to like try there's none of this you know okay every day i'm going to wake up and do affirmations i mean affirmations are great for what they are and they they can be very helpful but like if you're having to affirm something to try and override something else it's, it's like trying to, you know, uh, like put out a fire with like a sprinkler, you know what I mean? You need to actually put the fire out and then, you know, any water that you use or anything you do is going to actually help to restore the situation. So I don't know, that metaphor kind of got off track, but basically, <laughs> no, basically you can yeah. attack the problem with the force and the thoroughness that it deserves. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's really about if you release the actual fear, you will naturally shift into a better state. Or maybe you need to come up with this, the identity or the belief or whatever that you want to shift into, but it will take really easily because there's nothing internally that's resisting it. But if you, it's, it's possible for people to have uh, two beliefs about two completely different things. We call these like opposing beliefs or conflicting beliefs. You can have a belief that you're capable of anything, and you can also have a belief that you're not good enough at the same time. And that's very common. And so people will just like tug a war between them and then they just end up kind of like staying on the path they're on. But if you just let go of the limiting belief completely, then you just slingshot, you know, towards the positive end of the spectrum. Amazing. And earlier you talked about, you know, you're mapping consciousness and seeing all of these patterns of belief. How do you map consciousness? How are you seeing these patterns play out as we were talking about, you know, everything has laws and, and patterns to it. Uh, how did you come across all of these? Yeah, I mean, so in, through our own inner work processes, we started to notice that there was a lot of consistency and themes and there was, you know, meta patterns that were occurring and we were comparing notes with each other. And then as we started to take 
in the early days as we started to take clients and people that are in our trainings through the program, we were like, well, they're finding the exact same beliefs. And so, and, and it makes sense, you know, as much as we're all unique and different, like archetypally, we're all having very similar experiences in childhood and in our lives. And, um, and so there's just these patterns, like this is the Pareto principle of 80, 20, right? So 80% of, so like in, in a typical cohort of anything, like 20% is responsible for, you know, most of the results and 80% isn't, and you can just apply this over and over again. And so in our consciousness, 80% of the beliefs that we have, we've noticed this pattern are very similar to the beliefs that everyone else has. And then 20% are more unique to our life situation. So for example, if someone was brought up in a really religious, you know, family, they would have beliefs that can be unique to that, where if someone was not brought up in a religious family, they might not have any, you know, intense beliefs about that. So there's this unique portion, but there's also this common portion where we pretty much universally share these beliefs and emotions. Yeah. So really working with people to identify their individual beliefs, as well as the collective beliefs that are impacting them. And then looking at different emotional traumas or, or things that people may have experienced, we found commonalities. So if, if someone had an eating disorder or was sexually abused or something, there's uh, common patterns, these, these meta beliefs that we find that people have particular to different emotional experiences as well. And so really grouping these to, to see how we can accelerate the process of healing. Oh, I like that. So the idea of kind of stacking and taking on a pile at once rather than leaving it in this conscious world of this behavior, this behavior, this behavior, what is driving, what is this belief that is undercurring all of them? And if we dig down deeper and sort of, as you're saying, take that fire hose to the giant mess of a fire, rather than trying to sprinkle a little water on each behavior at a time, you know, we can get to the root of an issue a lot faster. Yeah. And, and taking it out at the root is what actually clears it. And most people are getting down to some more surface level beliefs. And so we keep drilling down until we get to the one that is really at the core. And when you pull that out, like a string of pearls, all the other ones collapse as well. Wonderful. And you talk about different tools that we need to do these things. And, and largely I'm hearing, and a lot of the conversations we have on this podcast are about reducing the limitation, eliminating um, the separation between mind, body, spirit, energy, and our thoughts. You know, we all have been sort of trained over the last several centuries to treat each of these things separately. You know, the, the mind has nothing to do with the body, which has nothing to do with our energetic body. And, you know, we're all vibrating atoms and elect, you know, electrons and protons. And so all of these things all have to come back together. Is that sort of what this toolbox is going to start to look like? Absolutely. Yeah. And you know better than anyone else, the power of the mind-body connection. And I was fortunate to have been a chiropractic assistant in college and going to seminars and learning that the power that created the body heals the body. And I remember standing and, and doing spinal assessments and being able to read people's bodies and tell them exactly what was going on just based on their structure and their posture. And they were amazed, you know, they thought I was psychic. And it was really just looking at these compensation patterns and seeing where people are holding tension. And, you know, our society is so quick to give a pill or a quick fix or surgery or something rather than looking at the underlying root causes. And so that's, you know, part of what we're all here to shift. 
I love that. And it it is true. And I like always using, so thank you for plugging chiropractic, but I like using the biomechanic metaphor because that's something that we can often see. And it does, it seems like magic, but when you're trained to see the patterns of, you know, shoulder tension comes from mid-back that draws from low back, that draws from hip, that goes to your big toe, there's nothing but biomechanics and science behind it, but it is seeing the patterns and you can, you know, put a numbing agent on that shoulder and you won't have to be aware of the pain, but it doesn't change all of the structures that got you there in the first place. So just as we were talking about all of those behavioral issues before, pretty soon you're going to have to be putting topical pain treatment on your shoulder and your low back and your hip and your big toe instead of finding what is the one thing that unites all of these pains. And that happens mentally, emotionally, physically. And then we just get even deeper with the layers that talk to each other amongst those three. Right. And so many people will experience an emotional release in uh, deep tissue massage or going into yoga and they're surprised because they don't realize the connection and how we're trapping and storing these emotions and trauma imprints that haven't been processed in the body. Absolutely. I can't tell you how many times I've cried on the mat or cried on the table just because that was the right moment and the right twist. You know, even going back to the spinal tap I had at seven months old, not anything that I had any cognitive memory of, I mean, I'm seven months old, but I was receiving this incredible myofascial release and started working right there at that spot in my lumbar spine. And all of the trauma that was put into that really, you know, scary moment for myself and everyone in my life started to unwind from there. And that was the root that we pulled and it was nowhere in my conscious mind. It was all hiding there in my low back. But the healing that has come from that is is miraculous and purely scientific. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that, and I think that's like what we're trying to do is demystify this space. You know, there's a lot of great teachings and really important, um, you know, findings that exist in these in like spiritual metaphysical space. Mm-hmm. But because it hasn't been approached from a with a scientific like uh, lens, not necessarily scientific limits but a scientific Mm -hmm. lens like there's all this conjecture and there's all these different words and there's no like um there's no consistency across anything and so people are having like important insights and findings and everyone's trying to make it like their own unique system and it's like you know in in the more traditional scientific space everyone's meeting in these cohorts and trying to develop standard language and measurements and stuff and we kind of like need that in this space to really create a common language and, 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 and like discipline that everybody can like start to work from and contribute to. So we're trying to do that in a number of different ways with intuition, with, you know, deep inner work and a few other places as well, by really like taking out a lot of like, like this overly spiritual, overly woo woo language and concepts and just distill it down to its essence. Like the end of the day, these are the building blocks okay, we can map this, here's some standard language, you know, and like, let's work from, let's work from this shared map. I love that. And the standard language, I think, is that piece that becomes so important because when we talk about, and you even use these as um, examples in the references of trauma, I mean, everybody has their own experience with religion, spirituality, or lack thereof in their life growing up. And some of it's very supportive and some of it is very traumatic. And all of it can use different languages to talk about what really amounts to the same thing. Now, I maintain there's nothing new under the sun. And so the reason why spiritual leaders have been talking about these things for centuries upon centuries is because 
they're as true now as they were then. It is the quantum physics. It's the principles of science. They don't change. But we do need to change is their accessibility um, so that people don't think that they need to, you know, have some sort of grand awakening experience that is according to a dogma necessarily. And if that's the way you go about it and that's your way in, that's beautiful. I don't think uh, any of us here today are saying um, this entry point is a bad entry point. It's just not the most accessible entry point to the general public as a whole. And so how can we change the language and change that understanding? Absolutely. Yeah, we're totally in agreement. And like you said, there's, there's so many ways to communicate the same message that's been communicated for millennia. And the way that people speak it will resonate differently with different people. And and the more practical and accessible the language is, it can get it out to a a larger audience. So let's make uh, intuition practical and accessible. Tell us a little bit about what what is intuition actually. I for me it's it's my my gut feeling. I never can go wrong with my gut feeling. What am I what am I saying when I go there? Yeah, well, you know, intuition is this faculty that we all have. It's like, you know, if you really if you really like go into a deep philosophical study of like the mind and the psyche and the self and like how how we're um, fundamentally wired to operate in reality. Um, you get to this layer where it's like, even beyond language, even beyond schooling, right? When we're, when we're little children, we have these powerful feelings that are helping us orient to reality. Um, you know, our, our psyche is rapidly learning. We have some, you know, epigenetic things that we've, we've learned from our parents, right. That have been passed down from our lineage. And then we have like our somatic felt sense of reason to navigate the world. And this very base layer of feeling is basically our most fundamental um, biological wiring. And it in many ways is the portal to our intuition. Um, not always, there's there's a big difference between an emotional uh, feeling and, an, and an, an actual feeling. <laughs> so yeah. we'll talk about that, but more or less like our felt sense, which is something that everybody has, like th- this is a key piece of being alive is really the portal to our intuition. And there's, di- there's different levels of intuition too. Um, not everything shows up through through that level, but everybody has access to that level. And this is our, our intuition is inherently wired for us to thrive, right? Like humans, all life has a bias towards being alive. And in order to be alive, you need to fulfill basic conditions of safety and actually being alive. And then beyond that, it's about you know thriving, self-expression, purpose. So our intuition is this fundamental wiring. It's, that is actually optimized to take us into the place of maximum thriving, of maximum expression of purpose and self-expression. And so by learning to identify how it shows up for us, we can optimize um, our decision-making around it. And then it has a bias towards taking us to those places and we end up in flow and our life gets really good. So what are some things that interrupt our access to that true felt feeling or that perhaps... Um adulterated in such a way that maybe it's not taking us towards flow. It's taking us right back into that cycle of trauma. Yeah, there's a lot of them. And, you know, like Justin was saying, as kids, we navigate the world in this way. We're so attuned to sensing and interpreting the world through that lens, but then we're always checking in with authority figures and our caregivers. And, and so if someone, you know, if a child is experiencing something and then it's denied by a parent or a caregiver and and 
they're shut down. And so they start not to trust that. And then our society, the way we're indoctrinated is really to value the mind and logic and reason and thinking things through and, and very hyper-rational, which there's a place for, absolutely. Um, but it it really is the opposite of this, this felt sense. And so, you know, we're, we're really just conditioned out of it. It's like that, um, that study where, uh, Dr. Uh, Sir Ken Robinson talked about how creativity is, is killed in schools and it's the same with intuition. So we're just taught to think differently and, and then we shut down that felt sense. Right. And also too, on that same wavelength, you know, trauma can often be a major barrier to intuition because when we have a traumatic experience, it's usually that there's a really unpleasant sensation in the body as a result. You know, something's happening and we're experiencing extreme fear or terror or shock or something like that. And it's an overwhelming feeling. And it's so overwhelming. And most, the vast majority of people have no emotional healing tools to, to deal with it in real time. So they have this extremely unpleasant feeling in the body. And then they learn that it's not safe to feel or, you know, it creates this residing level of fear in the body because it's not resolved. And so they're constantly experiencing some level of unease or fear and it just feeling doesn't feel good. So we start to like run up into the head or disconnect or self medicate or whatever it is and develop these compensation patterns that don't rely on us feeling. So there's a lot that can really cut us off from it. Like everything that Jackie said, emotional trauma. Well, too, and I just want to pull a distinction for trauma. Most people think like capital T trauma, like, oh, I I wasn't mugged or I was never raped or nothing, you know, terrible happened to me. But we've all experienced these kind of micro traumas. And, you know, especially when we're young and we don't know how to interpret the world. So it, it can be perceived in that way as trauma. And when we don't have the tools to work through it, it gets stuck in our system. And so when we have this pile of backlogged emotions that haven't been processed and these trauma imprints, it, it clouds the, the system. And so you can't tune into this subtle energy and the subtle felt sense when there's a, a backlog of, of stuck emotions. That makes perfect sense. And I, I love Justin, the phrase that you brought was that feeling doesn't feel good. Um, that that these pieces just start to create all of this catastrophic noise almost. And I wonder if there's a connection as you were talking, um, Jackie, about that we have that felt sense and we're sort of trained within school and that death of creativity, which is sort of an intuitive experience someone could argue into that mind. It made me think that there is another place then that we go to into our adulthood where we are actually sort of trained and conditioned to leave our own cognitive mind center and keep looking at social media and news networking and really outsourcing a lot of our information to, you know, what what these talking heads are, are bringing to us. And then the unfortunate reality about the talking heads is that they make money based on fear. So now we get as many eyes on the screen by promoting um, fear counts and putting the most bloody, terrifying story front and center on the screen, which, you know, certainly through 2020, we had no shortage of that. And now we have something that has distanced us even further from our body and is a reoccurring trauma cycle of fear. And now feelings don't feel good. And where is that numbing agent of my choice? How does that impact our ability to access our intuition? 
It absolutely does. I actually said to a friend the other day to stop outsourcing his intuition. And yeah, we defer to experts and ask other people's opinions and because we don't trust ourselves. And so we have to look without uh, outside of ourselves to get these answers. And like you said, our social media, the news, it's, it's really not set up to support us and to have us be thriving. And so it creates more interference in the nervous system, more stress, anxiety, and really gives us that, that tunnel vision. So when we go into that hypervigilant state, we're not able to see beyond this tunnel and we're not be, receiving all of the other information that's in the field. And so it, it's definitely um, that and then the EMFs and, and chemicals in our, our food and antibiotics and hormones and all of that is uh, all of these toxins are interfering with the signal as well. Yeah. Reality is not really optimized right now for intuition and flow. It's and this, you know, we we're talking about this at the beginning that this it's a it's a somewhat of a rebellious act. You kind of you have to you have to rebel a little bit, and 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 it's and it's it's good because our society in general culture is like objectively sick. You know what I mean? Like you you don't. It's not like a, a fringe belief. Like by all measures, you know, we're the sickest we've ever been mentally, emotionally, physically, and so on. The planet's the most polluted it's ever been. The politics are most obviously corrupt they've ever been. You know, it's just like it's 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 all around us, and so that's you know, in our, in our view that the silver lining of that is it's like, you know, everything is urging you to do something different, to do something better. If you really want to thrive, if you really want to have health and flow and, and the way, one of the most important ways to navigate this, like we said, is intuition, because it has this fundamental wiring of desiring for you to thrive, right? It's, it's, I mean, like the universe can only exist if, everything is alive and thriving. And yes, we have these cycles, there's cycles of death and stuff, but when you're alive, you need to be very alive and you need to be fulfilling your purpose, right? Every plant, every animal has its unique role and purpose in the ecosystem. And if it doesn't do that, or humans come along and take out the, the wolf, like the whole, the whole ecosystem collapses. It's the same thing with humans. We love to think that we're separate from nature and that we're different and we're special and all these things. And we are special in one way, but another way, we're totally part of nature. And so we have unique purposes and we have unique roles and we need to fulfill that. And intuition is the ideal way to, to do that. It's designed for that. We're not saying that people should leave their intellect and their rational analysis aside. That's important. You actually want to have both in equal measure, but you want to let intuition lead because when you look at the science of intuition, intuition processes about 65 billion bits of data per second. And your conscious rational mind processes about 10,000 bits of data per second. So there's so much more information coming into your into the intuitional layer of your, of your psyche, of your consciousness. And just by the law of numbers, it's going to be leading you towards better decisions on the whole than your rational mind is because it's taking into account a much larger data set. And so, and there's studies that have shown this and it's, it's not, you know, this is not like a fringe concept when you really dig into the research. And so it's really important to let your intuition lead and your mind follow. And the distinction is, is that like you want, because intuition is a felt sense, you know, you want to optimize your, your thoughts to feel good. If you can optimize your thoughts to feel good, you're getting the benefit of your intuition with your mind when it's relevant and necessary. And this is a really nice combo for decision-making and navigating you through life. And like we talked about earlier, it's our beliefs and our perceptions that create that tunnel vision and put the blinders on what we're able to actually see. 
So we have confirmation bias. And so our, our brains are hardwired to find information that validates what we already believe to be true. And so then that creates such a narrow field of what we're able to see. So the rational mind has its limitations with all of the beliefs and perceptions that we both consciously know. And, you know, like we talked about before, most of them are unconscious. And so we're not able to, to see all of the possibilities in front of us. We need to make those feels a place that we want to go and want to go comfortably. Right. right. So, how, so how do we just just turn just, all, of that, just all of that nonsense yeah. off? Yeah. yeah. All generational trauma and conditioning and the media. Just turn it off. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If it's not if it's not like making you feel empowered and making you feel good and making you feel like there's solutions and possibilities that you know for things to improve, it's a net negative in your reality. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where where should we all begin? I mean, as you said, that society as a whole is the sickest it's ever been on every measure. Um, where where do we start this little rebellion within ourselves to unplug and start to get comfortable? Because after you know so many years and decades, however long we've been on the planet, that's a huge unlearning. That's a huge ask, particularly if you're not just there, you know, and, and not to minimize, but certainly with uh, accumulation of micro traumas with and little T versus the big T that, that can be a huge boulder to start to move. Yeah, absolutely. It, 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 it is. There's definitely, we got our work cut out for us. You know, it's like your, your secondary education or something, you know, re-education, but basically, you know, it's, it's the, the key, one of the key things to all of it is like we've been talking about generally is, you know, doing, doing the deep inner work and, and the healing in particular, and really like examining your thoughts, everything that like that you really need is right there within your awareness. If you're just willing to be a little bit mindful and, and start questioning the things that you're thinking and the things that, you know, you believe and are feeling, you will find all of the ways in which you know, you're limiting yourself or you've taken on some kind of negative belief or negative thought pattern from the culture, from parents, from just learned whatever. And, you know, it, we, we always start with this in our programs. It's like we get, we want people to start examining everything that's going on under the hood. You know, your beliefs are the most foundational layer. Like if, if your beliefs are not working for you, then, you know, you're going to have a, challenges no matter where you look. Even if you're, even if you're a billionaire, you have all the money in the world like you can still be super unhappy, you know, and not be able to find love and hate being in your body every day. And the root of that is like beliefs and emotional trauma and, you know, and stuff like that. And so this is the most foundational layer. Like we really want to start here, examine what's there and anything that doesn't feel good, anything that is limiting you in any way, shape or form, you want to start to correct that by figuring out what is the most expansive possible you know, empowering belief that you could take on about yourself. And then, you know, using these different tools and modalities and so on to, to wire that in at a really deep level, you know, whatever emotional trauma is there to heal and release it so that you can emerge back into a place of joy and happiness. And then from there, just proceeding methodically through everything. I mean, that's really, that's the work is like, our minds are incredibly complex. And like Jackie said, you know, we have hundreds, if not thousands of beliefs. We definitely have thousands. The ones that are relevant to our healing journey may be on a little bit less than that, but we have a lot to do there. And so it's this ongoing process of picking up each stone, you know, seeing if it's, you know, dirty and needs to be cleaned and then proceeding until you, you've gotten everything. 
Yeah. And I used to be a person that just avoided feeling anything and numbed out and stuffed it down. And, you know, I came from a, a fair amount of trauma in my own childhood and throughout my life. And so I didn't feel safe to feel. I didn't even know how to feel. I just completely shut down. And so I had to relearn how to be in my body and to feel and do all of these things. And it was scary at first. Mm-hmm. It was definitely intimidating. And because I didn't have tools, because people don't give us these tools when we're children to go through life and wait till decades later when we're trying to peel it back and and undo all of it. But really um, starting to look at life, you know, and, and seeing it as a mirror and having this feedback mechanism to show me all of the repeating patterns in my life, all of the places that I felt stuck, that I got to then look at, okay, you know, what must I believe in order to be creating this experience over and over again? And what am I making it mean? And asking myself these questions to look at, you know, what's going on beneath the surface that I'm not really aware of. And I started to get excited about getting triggered because it's like, oh, I get to unlock, it's like a video game. I get to unlock the next level if I'm willing to go there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's because now I have a huge toolbox of things that I can pull out when I get triggered. It's like a, a treasure hunt in a way. And so instead of thinking of it as, oh my God, this is so much work. It's like, I get to liberate myself and experience more joy, more freedom, more peace, more love playfulness, whatever it is on the other side of that. So when we're willing to go into, you know, these darker places or the the places where we were afraid to feel before it unlocks so much beauty on the other side. So it's, it's important to have support, to have tools. And, and this is what, you know, I, I really envision for society one day to have this type of work in the school system and in, you know, working with people so that they get to navigate life more effectively. Oh, I completely agree. And I feel the same way. I uh, have my own um, sorted history into becoming an adult and completely lacked a lot of tools for a lot of feeling. And I chose the route of depression because there's just not yeah. a whole lot of feels in there. Just big up- anxiety paths. Yeah, you know, you go, you go, you you pick your poison in a sense. And initially it is terrifying because in some ways it is taking that externalized responsibility, this outsourced experience and this victimization of everything happens to me instead of through me and -hmm. from me. And, and it's terrifying. And I think there's a lot of gentleness that we can bring that you know, to remove that shame, you are not responsible for the trauma that happened to you. You know, you are not deserving of these things that you are working your way through, but you are definitely responsible for finding your way out of that forest, out of that pit of depression or anxiety. And it's a lot of work and it takes a lot of practice, but in a sense, it almost starts to feel like a sport in the end, that treasure hunt that those first practices are awful. You're terrible. You don't know what you're doing. You don't understand the rules. Can't complete a play to save your life. And eventually you just get to these places where it's up-leveled and you get to learn a new skill and you get to add it to what you already know, but it is a process. And that process starts with coming from that very external outsource. I don't want to think about or take responsibility for any of these things. It's way too much. 
and picking up that one dirty rock and seeing if it's familiar to another dirty rock and start cleaning them one at a time. Yeah, absolutely. And this this is part of like what the 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 thrust and the lens that we take into this is like, how can we create the most efficient, deep, effective healing processes that exist that work on as many levels as possible at the same time so that people can actually move fast. So it doesn't have to be this crazy slog or like 10 years of psychotherapy, you know, it, not to say that there's anything wrong with psychotherapy, like everything has its place in its role. Everyone has a different journey. Everyone needs different tools, but you know, in our search, in our own personal healing journey, and trying all these different modalities, we realize some some work faster than others, some are better, you know. And so there's been this this journey that we're on to really develop and and find the best, fastest healing modalities that exist. Because there's a huge opportunity here that if we can if we can make it simple and, and easy, mm-hmm. and it, and without like taking shortcuts and you know ignoring the important pieces, like we can move fast individually, collectively. You know, I, I think that a lot of what's happening in the a psychedelic medicine space is really emblematic of this. Like you can take these beautiful plant compounds and in a really short period, like resolve like major traumas that have been there for your whole life. And like, we're as, as much as we support that, it's also like, how can we have tools in our back pocket that we can self-administer? It doesn't require like, you know, everything that goes along with that, because that's, you know, it's, it's really in the day to day that, that makes all the difference. You know, when you're first getting started on your path, you might find that like everything is triggering, you you know, because there's a lot of accumulated things that have built up over the course of our lives. But if you have like this Swiss army knife that you can just whip out and like quickly, you know, alchemize it, then, you know, it's easy. You just do it all the time. And there's enough there that we need to be doing it consistently if we really want to make progress. But like, like Jackie said, like you said, there is like, and this is one of the laws of the psyche and the laws of reality, right? Is that there's a, uh, like a proportional relationship to the amount of trauma, limiting beliefs, et cetera, that you've released and the quality and depth and, and profundity and fulfillment and success of your life. Like there's an absolute linear, even exponential relationship between those two things. So for every piece, like Jackie said, it's a game for every piece you let go, you get two steps forward. And, and it continues and compounds over time to the point where if you're willing to put in, you know, even just a few months of work, like you will be radically changed forever. And you feel the lightness when you let go of these heavy stuck emotions or trauma imprints, you feel physically lighter. And so that's really compelling when you start to feel more energetic and vibrant and alive. And another piece is the mind body piece that we've been talking about, you know, both of Justin and I, a big part of our journeys was nutrition and walking this path of, of health and um, taking that very seriously. I grew up with a very kind of limited standard American diet um, that was a ton of processed foods, very little fruits and vegetables. And, and so I really had to learn how to eat. You know, I was embarrassed. I was in college and, you know, had such a limited diet, but um really starting with the body. And, and, and that's something that's so accessible because it's hard to heal, you know, and resolve these emotional patterns when you feel like shit. And so when, when you're um, not physically feeling well, it makes it, you know, exponentially harder to actually do any of this other work. So that's like an easier piece of the puzzle too, is to just start working on your health and nutrition and movement and all of that as well. 
It's interesting to think about. And I never quite had it in such a succinct way, but when you brought up about the sad American diet, is that the way we are learning to eat in what is traditional American fare. And there are limitations. There are a lot of systemic oppression that comes with that and a lot of learned helplessness. And of course, then we outsource to the media and one day eggs are going to be the, the food of the month and the next one is going to give you diabetes and kill you. Um, that's when I started learning. Like that was my first introduction of to maybe I don't listen to these people. Um, but these are in themselves, I'm like a micro trauma, our relationship with food. And then therefore the relationship that comes from our body, because we are feeding it calories that aren't backed by nutrition. And then it's underperforming and then we hate our body for underperforming and it, it is a cycle. So there are all of these pieces where the mind, the body, the spirit, the energy, that heaviness, and we're not talking about pounds on a skeleton, just heaviness. Um, one begets the other and where, where do you begin? So you spoke a little bit about trying to find that efficiency of approach. What have you learned? How can we start to... Because, um, you know, listening to this, it certainly feels like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of work. Maybe my depression's not that bad. Um, <laughs> what, what's this efficiency? What's this, what's our inroads that you have found? Yeah, well, okay. So, so in particularly in regards to inner work, you know, um, what some of the key things that we found are, like we said before, you want to work on a mental, emotional, energetic, and physical level. Because if you stratify, like you said, then you are missing important pieces. And then what ends up happening is you get incremental change instead of quantum leaps, you know? And so, so in when someone's like going about uh, their treatment protocol or designing their healing experiences or pursuing their personal development or whatever, in regards to inner work, you want to make sure that you're, you're getting you're using modalities that address on all these levels, or if you if you are only having, if you particularly resonate with one that just works on the mental level and it works really well for you, like make sure you source a physical, you know, you get body work or you work with, you know, a chiropractor or, who, or whoever it is to make sure you're also addressing on the physical level. And the same thing for the energetic and emotional level. Um, in, in our programs, we, we, we have this frame. And so we're bringing in tools and modalities that help people work on these levels at a core. So they have a core set. But at the same time, you know, there's there's almost infinite amounts of optimizations you can make to help you heal. And so, you know, if people also want to seek other things. We we really encourage that. If if it helps you, if you're making measurable progress, if you feel clear and lighter, and you're and you're, you know, your 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 optimism of your thinking improves and so on, you're heading in the right direction. So just keep going. And there's different in our experience too. Like there's a lot of different tools. And they'll take you so far until you need an upgrade and you need to go deeper. There's there's not endless levels, but it can sometimes seem like there is. And so, you know, just know that things shift and change over time and you, what works now may, you may need it more later and so on and so forth. Um, you know, it's also really important too, not to just do inner work. Um, you also really need to shift and operate from your intuition. These, these there there's eight or nine different core principles and things that we teach as part of the flow flow mastery core curriculum but like if you really want to simplify it to just the two that are the most essential not necessarily the one like the other ones have their their time and importance but inner work and intuition like these things will help you navigate reality in the most ideal way because inner work is like the most foundational level but then again like every day and every moment you're making decisions 
and you have to, you know, navigate some pretty complex situations and it's not always relevant to inner work. You're, you've done the inner work, you've got the positive beliefs, but you're still, you know, faced with a complex decision that you have to make. And that's where intuition really comes in. And, and intuition is a really great tool because it's not just about finding flow. Like intuition over time, if you really follow it truly, will guide you towards eating well as well. It will guide you towards healing when you need to heal. It will guide you towards growth experiences that are important for your fulfillment. So it's encoded with a lot of different things that will help you navigate all of the things that aren't related to inner work. Yeah. And on that wavelength, having your intuition be what leads you to the next teaching, the next practice, the next, whatever it is, that's going to unlock something on your path, because not every teacher or teaching is relevant for you in that particular moment. And maybe, you know, you needed to try, I don't know, rolfing in order to unlock something for your next level of expansion, but it had to happen in that particular order. And so that's why it's it's sometimes tricky to make recommendations for people because it has to be meeting them where they're at and, and certain paths aren't going to be uh, relevant for them at that particular point. And so starting to use your intuition, noticing if uh, something presents itself in your path, you know, say three times, or, you know, if, if a book comes up someone mentions it and then another person mentions it and then you hear it another time. It's like, okay, there's something there, you know, mm -hmm. buy that book, start to read it. Same thing with, with people, uh, you know, just feeling into what feels really expansive and energizing when, uh, when you're listening to someone speak, it's like, oh, okay. I really resonate with that. Maybe I should explore that and letting that guide you on your path to, you know, what, your your next modality or or healing or teaching will be. I love that advice. Um, and it ties back to as we talked about earlier, um, this idea that as we engage with the world and, and we work with that conscious thinking, we have um a bias. And so if it's a negativity bias and I feel like crap and I want to feel like crap and oh look there's Cheetos and I'm gonna feel like crap because there's some more Cheetos. And we do that same thing in that tunnel vision of negativity in which we're already experienced. Like think how much time junk food shows up in front of you because you're looking for it or you know just talking about the food example. We do that instinctively. We do that without thinking. And yet when we start to shift our minds to when someone mentions a book to me three times, and that, that is a rule that I follow. If, if I hear something three times within about a couple of weeks, that is, you know, on my desk in two days, um, that we are searching for the same thing as before. It's just not crap anymore. And we can start to use those as keys and start to use those um, as, as waypoints along the way. Because it's true. And I, I think I've struggled with this in my teachings as well. And I think some of our listeners have had some uh, frustration of why don't you just tell me the next three steps I need to take? And it happens with my patients. It's that uh, I can't. We have to take the next step and see what unravels and then find the next step. And that next step might be with me and it might be with another provider and it might be by yourself for a while. But that's how we start to unwind with that intuitive nature and finding it. And I went from cognitive behavioral therapy to functional neurology to myofascial release, back to functional neurology, back to therapy. Each one was a stepwise of unlocking that I wasn't ready for until I had gone through that journey. And so this idea of intuition being the thing that guides us 
um, to your point, Justin, is the most important piece that we have to come back to is get comfortable with the feelings and get comfortable with being in our body again. Instead of, it's such a marketed word all of a sudden, intuitive eating, intuitive movement. These are all really amazing goals, but if you try and jump to, I will now eat intuitively, but you still aren't feeling anything in your body, you're going to be following by the book and not by the belly. Well, and I did that, you know, I, um, coming from a a family with a lot of addiction, I had compulsive eating and and like intuitive eating. I was like, great, um, cookies or, you know, it was, I I didn't trust my body to tell me what I wanted because there was so much of that trauma there. And so until I actually healed and those compulsions went away so I could access my pure intuition, I wasn't coming from, from the right place. And so you see how all of the pieces need to come together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is a, this will be helpful for people listening. And one of the, you know, the key things that we we teach is that everyone has a unique intuitional signature and you mentioned, you know, yours is your gut and, you know, there's different, there's different reasons for that. We're, you know, mapping these different things of how these intuitional signatures show up. Other people shows up differently. For me, for example, I will sometimes feel it in my gut, especially if it's a strong no, but um, I will feel it like in uh, at the edge of my skin. That's like my most reliable one. Like I feel like energy at the edge of my skin. And when it gets really expansive, I feel really expansive. And my field, I feel my field expand. And when I get contracted, I feel it like contract into my body and my, my muscles start to contract. And that's how I know it's a no. And so everybody, the starting point to be able to do intuitive eating right or to do intuitive, you know, whatever, right? You have to know what your intuitive signature is or what your, your intuitional signature is. So it's, this is like the ground floor. And it, it seems simple and basic, but once you know this, you can literally take it out to any level of superhuman capacity you want. I mean, it'll take you from like the most basic decision-making, what do I eat? To like, if you are interested in becoming fully psychic and doing like superhuman things, it's the same core skill. You have to know what is intuition and what is not. Mm-hmm. You have to know what is trauma and what is intuition. You have to know what is a craving and what is intuition, you know? And sometimes they overlap and other times they're different. And so the intuitional signature is what we want to discern. And everybody has experienced intuition at one point or not in their life. And sometimes, you know, we'll coach people around this if they're really disconnected from it. But basically, we want people to understand what their intuitional signature is, because once they have that, they have their their north, their compass with their, their you know, their, their orientation towards north, right? And in any given moment, they're presented with a choice or a decision and they have an opportunity to do something, they can go in and say, okay, Am I getting my intuitional signature hits right now? Am I having that feeling? If yes, is it a yes or is it a no? And if not, and so on. And then everything becomes really binary. It becomes really easy to use it. And I love talking about there are all these different ways of feeling it because I do think it's one of those where you might be tempted to go compare notes with someone else and like, oh, no, I don't I don't feel it on the tip of my nose glowing like Rudolph guiding me someplace. <laughs> I just think that you're really cool intuition. That'd be pretty cool, yeah. <laughs> There's a light that turned yeah. on in your intuition. Did you get that high-pitched buzz, like the claymation? I don't know why this came to mind. Um, but, you know, I don't have it that way. You know, for me, um, kind of you were talking about the, the buzz on your skin. I feel that way my my deep sense of knowing is a groundedness in my gut. It is a truth that is a truth that is a truth that I won't be able to touch. But when it comes to what's right for me in in a choice point, it's does my heart expand or do I drop into that sick feeling in my gut? And so that feels very different than what you describe. 
but there's still this element of expansion or collapse. Right. Is that a piece that we can start to be curious about in our own experiences? If I'm not familiar with my intuition, can I start to be curious about that expansion collapse in my day-to-day experience? Absolutely. Yeah. And so my intuition shows up mostly as a claircognizance, like clear knowing that I don't, you know, I, I can't describe it because it's a different knowing than my, my thoughts would be. Um, so it's a little harder to describe or, you know, that, that feeling, like you said, of, of being energized and lit up and and expansive. So we recommend that people start to practice and you could do this, you know, anyone listening, start this week to make all of your decisions from that place. And so whether it's what you're eating for breakfast, where you go during the day, whatever it is, make all of your decisions, tuning into that sense of do I feel expansive? Do does uh, do I feel energy moving in my body? These subtle sensations. Does it feel heavy and cold, dark, contracting? And using that as your your compass, a simple binary yes or no decision, you can feel into whether it feels uh, enlivening, expansive, you know, mm-hmm. energetic. Or is it heavy, dark, contracting, restricting in any way? and use that as a decision-making tool. And if this is the first time I've ever done it, it's just going to jump out me really loud, right? I won't have to listen very hard. (laughs) It may, you know, everyone's different. Sometimes it does. And sometimes it's a little more searching. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we recommend if you're having trouble discerning to get to meditate a little bit, to just stop and pause and breathe deep and let everything go and then get to a really centered place or as much as you can, you know, manage. And from there, now ask yourself the same question or consider the same choices and see how you feel about it and scan your body and just like, you know, scan your, the area around your body, in your body, and just notice how you're feeling in these different areas. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, this is like level one, you know, foundational practice to start to discern that. And, you know, really common sensations are people will get the chills, you know, like the, the hairs will stand up on their back or they'll have like really pleasurable kind of like tickly energy running through their system. That's really common for a, usually a strong intuitional hit. That's usually a strong intuitional hit for Feeling people. warmth, a buzzing, any type of like opening energy. Yeah. And then no is usually like unpleasant. You know, it's usually like a sinking feeling, like really contractive. Um, you know, if, if you haven't s- sorted out fear from intuition yet, a lot of times it, fear can happen too. We don't, tend to recommend that people use fear as an intuitional no, because there's problems with that because you can get the bleed from trauma and stuff. But, you know, a lot of times, like what'll happen is like, we'll get the sinking feeling and then that feels like fear to us. So then we'll automatically go into fear. So a lot of times, if you have fear around something, um, it will be a no, but there's also the, you know, the really paradoxical one, which is one of our favorite signals is, is that if you feel a positive intuitional yes, like the tingling or expansive or feels really good, and you also feel fear, that's usually a sign that that's a big yes, because it means that you're getting a yes to do something that also scares you, which means that you're going to blow past one of your growth edges if you do it. And then that really moves the needle uh, on your on your life and what's possible for you. When we talk about that up-leveling conversation that Jackie and I were kind of diving into, that is my favorite feeling now. If it like it spans me and scares the living crap out of me, I'm definitely doing it. And uh, then uh, crying later, because um, <laughs> it because it, it is still a human experience and it is still scary. And we're not um, 
saying to push all of the, you know, so-called negative emotions aside, they have their place. They, that is that coming past the growth edge. Uh, but I love like a band of turbulence at the edge of, of your comfort zone that when you're going through, it's like, okay, this feels <laughs> really shaky. Uh, yeah. Like yeah. when that excitement is there too, when you get past that, there's so much expansion, so much magic on the other side. Yeah. Oh, people start oh. to feel that turbulence and they're like, okay, back in my shell and I'm going to stay safe and comfortable. And I think that feels like a really good kind of final point to make as we're talking about this very practical exercise. And thank you for bringing it to the listeners. I, I think um, it's a really cool thing to go with. And I, I happen to have um, the privilege of a whole couple of days to myself without any responsibility. You now, husband, no kid, no work. And I might just make one of them an intuitive. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm only doing what yeah. you know, the felt sense says. Um, but to have that, you know, go with the yes or no answers. Scan your body for that felt sense, whether it's expanding and feeling all these happy things or collapsing and feeling all these not so happy things. Um, if it's too crowded in your head, clear your mind and ask again. And then there's one more piece that comes to mind for me. And that is, you know, we've been living in our cognitive brain for so long. It's probably not going to want to give up the controls very quickly. What happens when it tries to talk you out of it? <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. This this practice is really simple, but it's not easy because we have all of that conditioning in the mind to work through. And there's a, an element of sometimes intuition is nonlinear or often nonlinear. And so the mind is like, whoa, hold up. That doesn't make sense. That's crazy. And so it's hard to trust it if you haven't been in the practice of trusting your intuition, especially when it's telling you to do something that's so nonlinear mm -hmm. and really just looking at if you're experiencing any emotions as you're you know, sensing, that's a, a sign that you've gone into the mind and your mind is interpreting it through the lens of beliefs and perceptions and whatever narratives that you have around that particular, you know, taking that action. And so really it, it's about just acknowledging that and just following the intuitive sense anyway. And so if it's something big, maybe you want to practice the smaller things and, and dip a toe in. And some people want to dive just right into the deep end. So it, it you know, it can work both ways. I um, spent many years traveling and not having a plan. And those were the most exciting adventures of my life. And so I would just go out for the day and just trust my intuition to tell me where, which street to turn on and where to go and, and just where I felt pulled and excited. And um, so you can do it in, in ways that aren't as, you know, uh, risky or there's not something that's high stakes, um, but we invite you and encourage you to play that way as well. So challenge by choice. And I like that acknowledgement of the emotions are coming up and the resistance is coming up. An example that comes to mind, I've heard other people talk about in the world of intuitive eating is that if you grew up in a house with a lot of micro trauma um, around criminalizing carbs, um, if your intuitive eating says, go have some pasta, um, the resistance to that is going to come very quick from that traumatic um, controlling thought process of, well, that's evil. Why would my intuition want me to eat something that's evil? Um, on a very, very small level. So definitely um, challenge by choice and with great observation and perhaps be ready to um, to receive help and support as necessary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and be prepared to do things you didn't expect to do. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and so like, these are just some like core first principles there that are like really helpful. Like, you know, I find with intuitive eating, like, you know, 
it's not bad <laughs> most of the time if it's like organic and if it's a whole food and it's simple and it's not refined there's like some full core principles like so if you're you know if it's just organic brown rice pasta it might be okay you know <laughs> yeah but anyways like yeah there's like there's like these things to to kind of expect ahead of time so when they show up they don't like spin you out you're like oh well this is wrong because it's my intuition like, intuition often tells you to do things that you didn't expect and it may be very different than how you're used to operating and as long as you're getting the yes it's important to do and we've made huge leaps i mean we've literally like uh, aborted stellar careers you know for the unknown on a on a hunch and it's was totally the right move and it took you know six six months of like things happening to realize that that was a critical decision that was made but that in doing that you learn to trust and that's that's really the biggest key with intuition um is that you in making the small decisions, then you prepare yourself for the big decision. And so making the big decisions, you learn that this is reliable. And when you learn that it's reliable, then you're really off to the races and things start to get like, you know, Neil leaving the matrix level. <laughs> and, you know, a, a lot of times other people may not support or understand you making these somewhat crazy decisions. And so a big piece is learning to care less what people think and to really just trust your your sovereignty and be able to make those choices anyway. Yeah. I heard a quote just again recently that was, other people might not understand your calling. That's okay. It wasn't a conference call. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is about what's coming strictly from yourself. Um, Justin, I love that layering that you described. I mean, um, it, I, I've been practicing listening to my intuition for a very long time. And some of the choices I've made have been absolutely ridiculous from an outside view. And my life is so freaking cool. Um, if I can say so ever so humbly, um, but we get to a lot of really cool places. And if you are just getting started with this, as you were talking about, Justin, these things that feel uncomfortable, well, if your life is currently in a place of unhappiness and continued anxiety and depression, that's not where your intuition wants you to go. So course the suggestions coming from that place of knowing are going to be contradictory to your way your current way of being totally and so having that expectation like you were saying being ready to do that dance and and get comfortable with these changes um it's just a little bit at a time so i encourage everybody um and let us know i'm really curious if anybody jumps on and takes this intuition challenge for a day, for an afternoon, for a meal. Um, or a you know, week, a month, or a year. <laughs> for your life, if you just yeah. really get into it. Um, let us let us know. Drop us a message on social media. Drop us an email, and I'd love to hear your stories. Justin, Jackie, thank you so much for coming and sharing um, such foundational, fundamental aspects of what it is to be human and it is to be healthy and happy and directed in life and working so hard to demystify it for the general population. Um, if this has lit an intuitive spark under our listeners, where, where can they find you? Yeah. Uh, flowconsciousness.com. Uh, you can attempt to spell it to the best of your ability in Google and you'll find us, um, find us on social media as well, Instagram, Facebook. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, we put out a, a lot of content. We have all kinds of podcasts and stuff on there. So, and our, and our programs as well. And we love to hear from you and hear any insights or takeaways or actions that you're going to take. We, uh, we get so many messages after workshops from people that, that did this intuition challenge and their lives completely changed. They've 
met new partners, fell in love, moved cities, quit jobs. I mean, just incredible life changes. And so we love hearing that. Awesome. Beautiful. And you have a free masterclass as well um, on your website. So if any of our listeners want to check that out and get started, uh, we will have all of these resources linked in the show notes. Beautiful. Thanks for having us on. It's, It's been a great conversation. Yeah, this has been wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks to everyone for tuning in and listening, joining in the movement as we discover new ways of being healthy and happy in our lives. We'll see you next week for another fantastic episode. Be well. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard and got a little something out of it. Now remember, the information expressed in these interviews is for informational and not diagnostic or treatment purposes. However, I hope you find that having the right information and resources can go a long way to helping you on your healthcare journey. Ask the right questions and seek out professional help.